be with you this morning and uh, be able to worship with you. I want to invite you to turn me to Exodus chapter 16. Exodus 16, we're going to look at verse 1 through verse 6 this morning. Exodus chapter 16, verse 1 through verse 6. And the title of the message this morning is Manna from Heaven. Manna from Heaven. Uh, of course, I remember early on in my walk with the Lord when I first was born again, I remember reading this and reading about the quail or the birds uh, that the Lord would send to feed the Israelites. And uh, I don't know, it's always been a special story for me. I think and picture the Israelites as they were wandering through the wilderness and everything else. And, and man, how amazing it was to be able to experience this every morning as they woke up. And the Lord had, would have the, the ground covered in manna providing for them. And so today we're going to look at manna from heaven. And I want to answer the question this morning through the message. What was the Lord's purpose in sending this manna? What was His purpose in doing this? So Exodus chapter 16, beginning in verse 1, the scripture says, Then they set out from Elam, and all the congregation of the sons of Israel came to the wilderness of Sin, which is between Elam and Sinai, on the fifteenth day of the second month after their departure from the land of Egypt. The whole congregation of the sons of Israel grumbled against Moses and Aaron in the wilderness, the sons of Israel said to them, Would that we had died by the Lord's hand in the land of Egypt, when we sat by the pots of meat, when we ate bread to the full. For you have brought us out, of this, out to this wilderness to kill this whole assembly with hunger. When the Lord said to them, then the Lord said to Moses, Behold, I will rain bread from heaven for you, and the people shall go out and gather a day's portion every day, that I may test them whether or not they will walk in my instruction." On the sixth day, when they prepare what they bring in, it will be twice as much as they gather daily. So Moses and Aaron said to all the sons of Israel, At evening you will know that the Lord has brought you out of the land of Egypt, and in the morning you will see the glory of the Lord, for he hears your grumblings against the Lord, and, that are, and, uh, and what are we that you grumble against us? Father God, we come to you right now. We thank you so much for your word this morning. We thank you, Lord, once again, as Brother Eddie said, being able to come into your house and have this building to gather in, Lord, and enjoy the company of one another, but most importantly, Lord, to enjoy your company as you gather with us. Your word says as two or more gather, uh, you'll, you shall be with them in their midst, and God, we know for us as individuals, as believers, your Holy Spirit dwells in our heart by faith, and you promise to never leave us nor forsake us. So God, we know that you're here, you are gathered with us. <clears throat> And we thank you for that. We just pray, God, once again against the enemy. We plead the blood of Christ over this place and invite the Holy Spirit to just continue to work and demand any other spirit other than the Holy Spirit be gone. In Jesus' name, amen. So this morning, as we look at this, and we think about this manna from heaven, what was the Lord doing? What was his purpose in sending the manna from heaven? Well, number one this morning, it was sent for a test. It was a testing. We see verse 4, it tells us, he says, Then the Lord said to Moses, Behold, I will rain bread from heaven, for you and the people shall go out and gather a day's portion every day, notice what he says here, that I may test them. That I may test them. Now before I go forward this morning, I want to clarify this, because there's a lot of times uh, uh, people will say this statement right here. Maybe you've said it before in innocence, and you're not aware that you're speaking a false, something not true, amen? Uh, we may say this, well, the Lord's just tempting me. Well, the Lord doesn't tempt you. 
In fact, the Word of God tells us, I believe it's in the book of James, somebody can help me there. It says the Lord does not tempt us, but He will test us. He will test His children, amen? It is the devil in our flesh that does the tempting, but God does do testing. And so I believe that this manna He sent from heaven was for a test, as He clarifies in verse 4. So I want us to look at two different tests I believe He was initiating as He sent the manna from heaven. Number one, it was a test of obedience, wasn't it? It was a test of obedience. The last part of verse 4, after he says, Every day that I may test them, he says this, Whether or not they will walk in my instructions. Whether or not they will walk in my instructions. In other words, whether or not they will obey me. To walk in the Lord's instructions is to do what he tells us. It's to do what he's speaking to us. And so that's what he says. I am testing them to see whether or not they will walk in my instructions. And we know the story today that several of them didn't. Uh, we read it in verse 20. After they're instructed and told that they are to go out every day, the first five days they are to gather, I believe it was one omer of uh, manna per person in their home. They couldn't gather any more. They were to gather that exact amount for the first five days. Then on the sixth day, they were gather enough for that seventh day. But the Bible makes it very clear that they would gather more. Of course, they were greedy. They were maybe, I don't get ahead of myself in the area of faith here, but they were just kind of getting more and everything else. And then what happened to it? That was left with what? Breed worms and become nasty and everything else. But notice verse 20 here. It says, but they did not. We're still talking about obedience, a test of obedience. It said, but they did not listen to Moses, and some let part of it, or left part of it until morning, and it bred worms and became foul, and Moses was angry with them. So it was a test of obedience, and we know that several did not pass it. And I want us to think about this today. How many times are we tested in our obedience to the Lord that we often fail? and we don't obey the Lord. We don't walk according to His instructions. We don't live according to how He's instructed us to live. So it was a test, a test of the obedience. Second of all, it was a test of faith, wasn't it? It was a test of faith. Notice verse 19. The Scripture tells us, Moses said to them, Let no man leave any of it until morning. In other words, these Israelites, these children of God, can you imagine... Yes, it was a test of obedience and the instruction God gave them on how they were to gather, how much they were to gather, all the things He instructed them. But now, what a test it was of them for their faith that they are to not leave any until morning. So after they ate and they were full and they were supposed to be taken care of, you're not putting it in a doggy bag. Amen? You're not putting it in a Ziploc bag and throw it in the refrigerator. You're to get rid of it. You're not to leave any until morning. And so in other words, these children of Israel, who they already brought attention to when they were griping and grumbling, came from Egypt and eating all the food that was provided for them, even though they were slaves. They were provided for and everything else. Now they're in the wilderness where they've already tasted hunger and they were very hungry. They were griping. They were grumbling. There was nothing but desert land. And now God provides for them, but He says, listen, I'm providing for you, but at the end of the day, you've got to throw it away. Why was he doing that? To test their faith. So that they would go to bed that night and know, fathers would know that their, mother, their, their wives and their children were going to be provided for the next day. They had to have faith that they knew God was going to take care of them. That he instructed for them to throw it out. And so in obedience they were to throw it out and by faith throw it out and know that the next morning God was providing manna again. Amen? Man, what a test of faith. Now I know today we live in a crazy, erratic time. 
Everybody in this congregation today, unless there's something just miraculous that's happened for you, you have less money right now, your bills are way higher, and it's a test of faith. But can you imagine theirs? Basically, they got rid of all their provision and in faith believed that the next morning it was going to be there. They had to do that. And of course, we know the Lord did, and we'll see that in just a moment. But what a test of faith. How many times in our daily walk, in our lives, as we seek to walk with the Lord, does He test our faith? Will you trust me? Will you get rid of your provision, what you think you can do, and let me do through you? Let me prove what faith can do. Amen? So it was a test of obedience, and it was a test of faith. So we see that it was truly a test the Lord sent the manna from heaven. Then second of all this morning, not only was it a test, but it was a testimony. The Lord was testifying of something, wasn't He? And I see, number one, I believe that He was testifying of His power and provision. The Lord was testifying of His power and His provision for His people, for His children. They're out in the wilderness, desert land, barren land. We, we, they just walked through the test of water. They just were thirsty. Now they're hungry. There's nothing anywhere in sight. And God says, this is a perfect opportunity for me to prove my power and my provision. And I don't know about you today, but I am so thankful. As I read this story, I can see in my own life where God often, not often, every day, every moment of my life, it's a living testimony of God's power and provision. I just mentioned this a moment ago. Man, every last one of us today, no doubt, our bills are higher. Our bank accounts may not have as much money, but have we been provided for? Amen? Has God not flexed His power and His provision in our lives today? Man, are we still not eating good? Amen? Are we still in a blessed country? Do we need work? Do we need revival? Do we need awakening? I'm not taking away from any of that. We know we do. Amen? We need to truly allow the Lord to save this land and heal this land. But we don't need to miss the fact that we are taken care of and God's power is still evident. I bring back to our remembrance just here recently, Roe versus Wade, amen? Miracle, unbelievable miracle that I'm telling you, I didn't have the faith or thought that it would ever happen, but it did because God testifies of His power and His provision, doesn't He? And if we would just walk by faith in obedience as we talked about just a moment ago, he will continue to testify of His power and His provision. But there's not only a testimony of God's power and provision here, but there's also a testimony of God's promises being fulfilled. God's promises being fulfilled. God always promises His children that He'll take care of them. I love what Paul said in Philippians chapter 4, verse 13. Remember what he says? He said, God shall supply all our... No, I just misquoted that. Isn't that, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me? I'm getting all the verses all mixed up. But it is in Philippians where he says that God shall supply all our needs according to his riches in Christ Jesus. Somebody, you got to correct me at the end. Was I right or wrong? Philippians 4.13. But he said he would supply all our needs according to his riches in Christ Jesus. So his promises are true. Whatever you need, he's going to provide for you. And 
Man, I'm not one of those guys that's going to come up here and lie to you and tell you you're going to be rich and never be sick and all that. But I can promise you this, on the authority of God's Word, He will supply your needs. Maybe not your wants, maybe not the vanity that I want often and you might want often, but He will supply your needs. His promises are true. Every one of them, amen, as we look at this today and we see Him fulfilling the promises to His children in that desert, in that place of desolence, we can trust that He's going to supply our needs and every promise He's made to us. Maybe this morning, you're hanging on to a promise for, for something in your life right now, something in your family. Well, I can promise you, if you've got scriptural evidence that He's made that promise to you, He's going to fulfill it. Amen? He's going to fulfill it. So it's a testimony of God's promises fulfilled. And then, of course, we can't overlook the fact that it's a testimony of God's love. Of God's love. Why does God, who spoke the world into existence who just in His very words spoke the heavens, the earth, the seas, all that is in it into existence. Why would He take time to fool with the children of Israel and me and you? Why would He take time to burden Himself with anything about us? Because He loves us. Amen? He don't have to do it. He don't need us. We need Him desperately. But He don't need us. He wants us. He loves us. Why, why does He come through all too often in our lives when we feel like, man, there's hopelessness and we'll never make it through whatever the circumstance may be and then out of the blue sky, here comes the Lord Jesus and delivers us and provides for us and moves on our behalf in a miraculous way. Why does He do it? Because He loves us, amen? It's a testimony of His love. The children of Israel, He loved them. He didn't want them to die of hunger. He didn't want them He didn't want them roaming in the wilderness. He wanted them to go to the promised land. It was their stubbornness and their disobedience and their lack of faith as we already talked about. It was their fault that they roamed for those 40 years and many of them died in the wilderness and continued to gripe and grumble. And one minute they're claiming the Lord is victim. Next minute they're doubting and everything else. Man, He loves us. He don't want us to have to roam in the wilderness. Amen? So it was a testimony of God's love. So we see it was for a test. He sent the manna also for a testimony. And then last of all this morning, He sent this manna from heaven for a teaching. For a teaching. You can read across this and you see the evidence. Yeah, God's provided for His children and all that. And you think, yeah, no big deal. But I promise you this, everything in Scripture has some sort of spiritual significance of teaching. Do you believe that? Everything the Lord says, everything He does. Man, even the genealogy that you're reading. Have you ever read the genealogy and everything else? And He begot and He begot and all that. And you're like, oh, what is it for? Slow down and read it. There's something there for you with spiritual application. I promise you. One thing I think about is I start reading about so many of the folks and the Bible stories and everything else. And I start reading about who they were and they were in the lineage of Jesus and everything else. And I think, well, if those guys were okay, then yeah, I, I, I'm okay to be in this family too. Amen. Only by the blood of Jesus. But man, there's so much there, isn't it? So we know that every time the Lord does anything or says anything, yes, there is something on the surface there. He may be feeding his children, but there is a spiritual application for us. So it is far teaching. And there's three or four different teachings here I believe the Lord is doing as He sends us manna from heaven. Number one, I want to start with this. The teaching we see when the Lord sends the manna from heaven, He was teaching them the importance of the Sabbath, the Lord's day. There was a purpose. Remember what I said a while ago? I want to read it again, verse 22 through verse 26. 
it clarifies again the importance of the Lord's day and the Sabbath. He says now in verse 22, Now on the sixth day they gathered twice as much bread, two omers for each one. So a while ago I said they gathered an omer for each particular person in our family. Now on the sixth day they're gathering two for each person of the family. When all the leaders of the congregation came and told Moses, then he said to them, This is what the Lord meant. Tomorrow is a Sabbath observance, a holy Sabbath to the Lord. Bake what you will bake, and boil what you will boil, and, on, and then all that is left over put aside to be put until morning, or kept until morning. So they put it aside until morning, as Moses had ordered. And it did not become foul, nor was there any worm in it. There's another action of faith there, isn't it? Moses said, Eat it today, for today is a Sabbath to the Lord. Today you will not find it in the field. Six days you shall gather it. But on the seventh day, the Sabbath, there will be none. So he is teaching them the great importance about the Lord's day. Now we know that all seven days are important to the Lord. Every day that we have breath in our lungs, it's for the Lord. It's the Lord's day. Amen? But he is teaching them there is one particular day that is more special than everyone else or every other day. It's a day of rest. It's a day of the Sabbath. It's a day of the Lord. It's a day like we're coming together right now. And I know that if you study Jewish history and the uh, Jewish calendar and everything else and the seven day of Venice, they do it now. They worship on Saturday. But if you go in the New Testament, it says on the first day of the week they gather together. So this is our Sabbath, if you will. This is our Lord's Day as we come together. And Brother Eddie gets up here and my sister gets on the piano. And we get to worship together. We give our tithes and offerings. And then we get to sit together under the preaching and proclamation of God's Word and worship in that. And it's very important. Amen? And in fact, I tell you this today, not just because I'm a preacher, but I tell you this, even before I became a preacher, I recognize this is the most important day of the week. This sets the entire week up right here. What we do with the Lord's day. What we do with the Sabbath. Amen? And he is teaching them that. That this is to be guarded. It is important that we are to gather together. In fact, the writer of Hebrews tells us this. Hebrews chapter 10 verse 25 says this. Do not forsake the assembling of the brethren. Don't forsake it. This is important. There's nothing more important. There's nothing that should take precedence over this day. Amen? This right here, us coming together, us worshiping, being in God's house. It's so important, isn't it? And I'll just tell you this morning, man, I told y'all, I, I don't know if it was last week, a few weeks ago or whatever, man, just kind of the struggles. Man, I was excited this morning. I kind of felt a little life this morning, amen? And I was excited to come and be a part of the worship service. And, and man, I didn't feel like I was just beating my flesh to get here. I was able to kind of have some authority over it and, and was happy to be here. And I hope you are too and that you understand the importance of the Lord's Day and us gathering together. That's one teaching that the Lord was using the manna from heaven for, teaching them that importance, setting up their style of worship, everything that would happen, even when they got in the promised land, he was teaching them that, the importance of the Sabbath, of the Lord's day. The second teaching I see this, of course, is the importance of obedience. The importance of obedience. I talked about the test of obedience, and now I want to talk about the importance that he's teaching them about obedience. Verse 27, it came about on the seventh day, that some of the people went out to gather, but they found none. They found none. In other words, listen. Obedience is important, amen? Jesus said this. He said, if you love me, finish it for me. Obey my commands. This is a strong teaching 
of the importance of obedience. There was families that went out on the seventh day and they didn't find any. Now I've got to make a little bit of an assumption here. But if they went out on the seventh day to gather, it's because they didn't gather the right amount on the sixth day. Would you agree with that? What other reason would they go out? Because they didn't have no food. And they went out and they found there was not any. And I promise you, at that very moment, when they went out there and they opened their tent or whatever it was and they saw the fields not covered, they recognized, hey, my disobedience has just affected me, but let's take it a step further. It just affected my whole family. Because here's something that I have to take another assumption on, but if you read verse 16, and I believe it's verse 17, 16 says, this is what the Lord has commanded, gather it every man. Now I know all through the Word of God, when it says man, often it's referring to everyone. But I really believe that the men were the ones who had the responsibility to lead the family in this gathering. It was their calling, it was their duty, it was part of their spiritual application. Verse 17 says, the sons of Israel did so, and some gathered much and some little. And so I believe without a doubt that this test of obedience fell directly on the man of the household who was responsible for gathering the right amount on the sixth day, so on the seventh day they didn't go out. But it says some went out on the seventh day and found none. What a test of obedience to go out and find none. I know the Lord's mercies are made new every morning, but I promise you, I believe without a doubt, that there was a many of families on that seventh day that their babies were crying, hungry, as the Lord continued to teach them the importance of obedience. You know what you were told to do. You were instructed to go out on the sixth and gather twice as much, but you chose out of laziness, or irresponsibility. I don't, I don't know what day it is. Well, it's your responsibility to know what day it is. You've got to be the one on top of things. Amen? And I just picture that. The possibility of that crying children, them feeling hunger pains, and the whole time knowing, hey, that's my fault. I have to own that. The test, or the teaching of the importance of obedience. Obedience is crucial, isn't it? In fact, today, listen, we don't know what is hinged on every choice we make. Sometimes we, we really lose sight of the importance of obedience. We, we think that something's just little and it don't matter, but I promise you it does matter. Our obedience matters every step of the way, no matter whether we think it's small or large, that obedience to the Lord matters, doesn't it? Every bit of it. God cares about every one of it. We don't know what's on the other side of our obedience. There's possible souls that could be saved. There's, there's life changing in our own life. We don't know. All we know is we're instructed to obey Him. And there's great importance on obeying the Lord. And then we see, third of all, there's the teaching of the importance of faith. I've talked a lot about faith this morning. But I want you to just see one other thing before I go forward and go to our last point. The teaching of the importance of faith today, I want you to notice that it was personal, wasn't it? Each family had to go out and do their own part. In the Word of God, in the body of Christ, God intends for faith to be personal, doesn't He? Notice there was not a group of leaders put together. There was not a committee put together. Every family, and I believe, I'm assuming this, but I'm believing that the father of the household had the responsibility to personally go out and personal faith 
personal obedience, gather this manna and bring it back and personally give it to his family and then personally experience the father as the head of the household biblically laid out as the authority of the spiritual leader of that house hand it down and feed them. It's the importance of faith. Amen. God tells us, in fact, it says in Hebrews eleven six, 6, it says, apart from faith, what? It's impossible to please God. Faith is unbelievably important, isn't it? He's teaching in that. And today, look, you can never, ever even get into heaven without faith. It's impossible. Not only is it impossible to please God, you won't ever see God except for the day of judgment. And then if you don't know Him by faith and have not been born again by faith, then you'll spend all eternity separated from Him in a place called hell. Is faith important? You better believe it is. Amen? But then i got to go to this next one. This is exciting. Not only is He teaching the importance of the Sabbath, the importance of obedience, the importance of faith, but He's teaching them about the coming of Jesus. Amen? This manna from heaven, He's teaching them about the coming of Jesus. Right here in the book of Exodus, you see it in Genesis it's all through the Word of God. Amen? Jesus is everywhere. But it's right here in this text today. It's teaching them about the coming of Jesus. If you would turn me to John chapter 6. John chapter 6, verse 29 through verse 35. John 6, verse 29 through verse 35. This is so beautiful right here as we see... Even in the book of Exodus, while they're just now stepping out into the wilderness, going through all those pains and growth pains and everything else, the Lord's teaching them about the coming of Jesus right there. Listen, John chapter 6, verse 29. Jesus answered and said to them, This is the work of God that you, that you believe in Him whom He has sent. So they said to Him, What then, then do you do for a sign so that we may see and believe you? What work do you perform? Notice what they quote. Our fathers ate the manna in the wilderness as it is written. He gave them bread out of heaven to eat. Jesus then said to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, it is not Moses who has given you the bread out of heaven, but it is my Father who gives you the true bread out of heaven. For the bread of God is that which comes down out of heaven and gives life to the world. Then they said to him, Lord, always give us this bread. Jesus said to them, I am the bread of life. He who comes to me will not hunger, and he who believes in me will never thirst. Is that not a beautiful picture? As we see all the way back in Exodus, where God is already teaching His children, this manna from heaven, this bread from heaven you call it, is a picture of a bread from heaven that's coming. It's so much better and so much sweeter than this manna you're eating. Amen? Because it's going to be my son, my only son, who's coming with a mission to come and save to seek out and save the lost. Amen? Man, what a beautiful picture. I, I love what Deuteronomy says, and then Jesus quotes it in Matthew 4 when he's standing toe-to-toe -to -toe with the devil in the wilderness. says he's being tempted by the devil. Remember, he says, man, not live by, man may not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of the Father. Man, if you start studying bread in the Word of God, you study manna, you study all that, and it all comes together and does nothing but preach the gospel, amen, and preach the importance of you and I partaking of the main, the true bread from heaven, as Jesus testified of, He Himself partaking of Him, amen. So this morning, I ask you this question. Most importantly, have you ever 
ate the true manna from heaven? Have you ever partaken? Have you ever consumed the Lord Jesus Christ? In fact, he goes into a strong teaching about this. This is where many of the disciples began to stop following him, if I'm not mistaken. Remember? Because of this hard teaching. This him being the bread of heaven. Him being the bread of life. So have you ever truly given your life to Jesus? Have you ever really truly been born again? Have you ever truly allowed Christ to save you? And if you can answer yes to that question, then the question goes next. Well, how are you passing the obedience test, the faith test? Is your life a testimony of God's love, power, provision, His promises? What is your life preaching to the world around us? I'm going to ask you to stand this morning and I'm going to ask Brother Eddie to come and just be down here in front this morning. I know our sister's not here to play the piano. She's at house church, but thank God we don't have to have music to be saved. Amen? All you have to do is be alive, willing to admit that you're a sinner, that you've been separated from God and that your sin has separated you from God and that God has done something about it, that He's not satisfied with that fact and that, that painful truth that we all sin and we've missed the mark and that we deserve hell. God wasn't satisfied with that, that He did something about it, that He sent Jesus, the bread from heaven, amen? That if you and I would be willing to partake of Him, that we would put our faith in Him and put our trust in Him and let Him be the Lord of our life to save us, to redeem us, forgive us our sins, that we can be born again this morning, amen? What a beautiful truth, most important truth in the world, amen?